Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, if it were a dog, it wouldn't even lick itself. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always, always, always entertaining weekly broadcast. Coming to you from the smoke-filled studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I am your host, Brian Levine, for our weekly 45 minutes of uh, fun and pipe talk and chats and good old-fashioned conversation. So, on this show, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to start talking about uh, getting ready for a pipe show, things to do at pipe shows. We're going to start working on uh, prepping for a pipe show. My guest is Rabbi Eric Silver. I pre-recorded the interview with the rabbi. Wonderful interview. Listen to it again today before I did the final edits on it. I know you're going to enjoy that one. Mailbag music. This one's going to be a little fun, too. And uh, rant at the end, all your usual favorites coming to you every week, every Thursday at 8 p.m. Hey, I want to make sure and thank everybody up on top. We've got 45, 45 ratings or reviews on iTunes. Thank you very much for your listening. That is absolutely wonderful. I appreciate it. Want to go back and follow up on something real quick? I am reading uh, Steven Tyler's book, uh, Does the Noise in My Head Disturb You? And if you've ever heard Steven talk, that's exactly what the book sounds like. And wow, is it a fun but painful read because it is stream of thought, train of consciousness, disaster, jumping back and forth, but still a lot of fun. Hey, if you missed my post on Facebook, yes, on Sunday night, actor Jack Wagner was on The Celebrity Apprentice, and he was holding a pipe and uh, putting it in his mouth during a segment on the show, so nice to see a pipe smoker on TV. No, there was no tobacco in it, it wasn't lit, but he sure was acting like it, so. All right, everybody, grab a pipe, sit back, relax, we'll get into pipe parts in just a minute. Thank you for tuning in, thank you to smokingpipes.com, here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Hey, this is Pipe Dave Gavarel, and you're listening to Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Welcome back. Hey, check out all the pipe babes, including the new one just posted on uh, pipesmagazine.com. So, pipe show season is upon us, and I thought uh, we'd break it down into two parts. So, this first part will be what I do or what I suggest you do in preparation for going to a pipe show. If this is your first pipe show, this will be really helpful. If you're a regular pipe show attendee, you may see some uh, interesting tidbits in here. Anyway, this first part this week, this is just preparation for the pipe show. So, before you leave home... 
I want you to make sure and pack some comfortable clothes. There's going to be a lot of standing, a lot of walking, a lot of sitting up and down. There may even be an outdoor smoking tent, so you want to bring clothes that are comfortable for indoors and outdoors. And even in the evenings as we get into the summertime, it can get kind of cool at night, so make sure and bring a jacket. Next thing, when we talk about packing our pipes and tobaccos, keep in mind when you're packing your pipes, you want to make sure and bring an assortment of pipes. A couple of pipes that are more durable for being outside or being set on tables and moved around. Pipes that you're not going to really worry about if they get slightly scratched up or dinged up. I tend to bring a rusticated pipe or two for those evenings when I'm bouncing around with them. The other thing I want to do when I'm bringing pipes, or I suggest you do when you're bringing pipes that you're going to smoke at a pipe show, is there's a lot of tobacco to sample. So make sure and bring a couple of different sizes of pipes, pipes that are your favorites for specific styles of tobaccos. Bring pipes that you may not be so worried about if you try a new tobacco in it, and that new tobacco's got a flavoring that you don't want ghosting in one of your better pipes. So keep in mind that you need some pipes for sampling of tobaccos. Sample the tobaccos right there, go out into the smoking tent, sample the tobaccos, then you'll know whether or not you want to buy a bunch of them right there on the show floor. So you want some small, large, durable, bring your favorite pipes. By all means, bring your favorite pipes to share with people, to show people Bring pipes that you want to learn more information about. There's a lot of really knowledgeable pipe collectors. When you're bringing tobacco, make sure and bring plenty of your own tobacco, your own favorites. So that way you've always got one of your favorite tobaccos on hand for smoking. You'll also want to make sure if it's a favorite of yours, you may have somebody comment positively on your tobacco. And you may want to offer them a bowl. People will offer you bowls of their own favorite tobaccos. So bring enough for you. Bring enough to share. Don't anticipate on walking in and buying tobacco or getting a bunch of samples because you never know who's going to be there, what samples they'll have out. Now, with that in mind, I also want you to set a budget before you leave. Set a budget. Are you bringing pipes to trade? Are you bringing cash? Whatever it is, set a budget of what you're willing to trade or buy don't go over the budget yes i'm in the business of selling but at the same time i want to make sure that you set a budget and you stick to it as part of that budget i want you to start thinking about a week before the show what are you looking for are you looking for vintage tobaccos <clears throat> are you looking for new tobaccos are you looking for artisan pipes are you looking for factory made pipes are you looking for estate pipes books, old accessories, whatever it is that you're looking for, start thinking your game plan through. Because if you walk into the Chicago Pipe Show with no preconceived notion of what you're looking for, you're going to see 300 plus tables full of pipes and accessories, doodads, cigars, gifts, all kinds of items. Your head's going to go spinning crazy. So start getting a game plan. If you're looking for stuff that you're specifically looking for, start learning what the market price is. Now, I'm going to say this, and I want to word it carefully because I don't want to upset anybody, but if you're dealing in a state, if you're buying estate pipes or looking for estate pipes, looking for 
brand new accessories, looking for vintage tobaccos, whatever it is, each individual table is going to have their different values of it. So you want to be aware, if you're looking for an estate pipe, you want to be aware of what the market value is for that and make sure that you're getting a good deal on it. Somebody might have inadvertently priced a pipe or priced a vintage tobacco way too high. You buy it, then you find out later on that uh, that wasn't the best deal possible. So like any good buyer, be prepared, know what you're looking for. Go in there with a game plan. Go in knowing that you're going to be looking for vintage tobaccos, or these are the tobaccos I want to look for, these are the pipes I want to look for. In part of that, check out with the Pipe Club a week or two beforehand and see if they'll give you a list or provide you with some of the names of some of the dealers, some of the people that are taking tables at the show. That'll kind of help you get a target idea of what tables you might want to go to first. Those of us that go to shows a lot and on a regular basis, I kind of know who I'm going to see at each show. I may have a deal set up for something. I, I know exactly what to expect at the show and then I want to look at the new people if this is your first show make sure and get a game plan going for it alright also bring some snacks with you bring some granola bars, peanuts, candy bars whatever it is that you like to snack on because during the day of the show you may not want to stop for a meal you may not want to sit down for a whole meal but you may just want a little snack to keep you going it's also a bit of a way to save a little bit of money don't tell any of the show organizers or the hotels that i said that but if you bring snacks it'll save you some money you can snack on them right there on the show floor and it'll keep your energy up the other thing in it similar to bringing tobaccos to sample and tobaccos to trade with people and try or sample your friends with Another way to make friends is uh, bring a bottle of your favorite drink, especially for the evenings when there's room hopping going on. You will definitely want to bring a bottle of your favorite drink to share. It'll also save you a little bit of money from buying it in the bar, but at the same time, you'll make a lot of friends with people. All right, so now we've talked about it. We've looked at it. what I like to go through in the pre-planning of it. The other question is, is am I bringing the pipes to trade or am I bringing cash? If you're bringing pipes to trade, know what the market value is for your pipes so that you don't get the short end of that stick or at least have a conceived notion of how much you think you're going to get for that pipe. All right, next pipe parts segment, maybe in a week or two, we'll do at the show, pipe show etiquette, pipe show buying 101. In the meantime, keep in mind, coming up April 13th, the Triangle Area Pipe Show, Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a one-day show. April 13th opens at 9 a.m. I will be there. The big one in Chicago, May 1st, 2nd, 3rd. The actual show day, the two show days themselves are May 4th and 5th. That's in St. Charles, Illinois. Kansas City, June 21st, 22nd, and 23rd in Overland Park, Kansas at the Doubletree Hotel. And then uh, in August, we've got the NASPC show in Columbus. In October, the Richmond Pipe Show in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. The, that's the 29th Annual Core Expo. And last but not least in the year, the 2013 West Coast Pipe Show. So, remember, the information that you'll gain at these pipe shows, the information that you gain by going to a pipe club swap or whatever it is, the... That is invaluable information. You cannot afford to not go to one of these events.
in just a minute. My discussion with Rabbi Eric Silver. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at smokingpipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. Please join me in welcoming Rabbi Eric Silver. Rabbi, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And as part of our uh, smoking clergy uh, segment of our hobby, Rabbi, when did you start smoking a pipe? I started smoking a pipe in 1959. I was starting college, and that was the cool thing to do. That's what you did in college in those days. You, uh, you smoked a pipe because it made you look ultra cool. And so I found a pipe in my dad's drawer. I knew he had it there. He had tried smoking a pipe a few times, just never really turned on to it. So uh, it was a Falcon pipe and a pouch of an Edgeworth tobacco. And I took those, and I smoked them, and I said, you know, this is not bad. I like it. And in those days, you'd go to the drugstore and get a pipe for 2 or $3. So uh, I think I picked up one or two other pipes along the way. And I was very happy with my pipe smoking. And in college, everybody did that. All my friends did. Because cool guys did not smoke cigarettes. Where did you go to college? I went to the University of Missouri and uh, graduated with a degree in mathematics. And when I finished that degree, I was working on a Ph.D. in math, and the Army began casting wistful, longing glances in my direction and wanted to offer me a job. And uh, I joined the Navy instead. Did you ever finish the Ph.D.? No, I didn't. I did get two doctorates later on, but not in uh, mathematics. Uh, somehow I changed uh, my life's direction uh, and uh, became a rabbi instead of a math prof. And that must have been after the Navy. After, well, it was actually during the Navy because after ordination I went back into the Navy as a chaplain and then retired from the Navy. I had two careers in the Navy. One was as a line officer including which included a year's service in Vietnam on river patrol and the other was as a rabbi. Were you on the on the fast attack boats on the river? Uh, river patrol boats, PBRs, which were not a lot of fun from what I've heard. Well, <laughs> you hope to move fast enough to get out of the way. Now, 
I will tell you one thing that happened to me. I think it was my second day in Vietnam. Uh, they took me out on patrol to show me what was going on. There was one boat that was uh, inshore providing... Um, a, they were engaged with uh, some enemy units that were hidden in the bushes. I couldn't see them, but I could see the muzzle flashes. And then we were a few uh, hundred yards out and uh, providing backup just in case. And I'm watching this, and it's fascinating. And one of the enlisted men says to me, you can see a lot better if you stand up there on the bow, sir. Now, I had heard about this, uh, because then you're totally exposed. You're not protected by any of the little bit of armor plating you had on a PVR. And, uh, but if you don't do it, the men will despise you, and your year is lost, because they won't follow you anywhere. So I got up there, and I stood up there for about a half an hour watching, and no shots came our way. But it, they, they could have. But I realized that once I did that, I was in solid with the troops. What a dumb thing that was to do! <laughs> now that I reflect on it, forty years after the fact. Did you uh, Did you have your pipe with you the whole time? I did. I had my pipes in uh, Vietnam, and uh, I, I had guys say to me, "You know, Silver, you're going to get us all killed. They're going to smell us a mile away." A large part of what you do involves uh, being somewhat concealed, you know, and pipe smoke does travel. Do you remember what kind of pipe, what kind of pipe tobacco you were smoking then? At that time, I was smoking Plaza mixture, which was made by Fred Diebel of Kansas City. Uh, Fred was one of the, oh my goodness, one of the real patron saints of pipe smoking, and he was my mentor in those early days. He taught me how to smoke a pipe, taught me a little bit about tobacco taught me how to pack a pipe, taught me how to really enjoy a pipe. And I think often and fondly uh, about him. And uh, he was a real pioneer in those days and some of the things that he did. And Plaza Mixture was, it was an English-type mixture that I smoked uh, in those days. And uh, then later on, a friend introduced me to DPE, made by Ehrlich of Boston, and that place, too, is gone. You know, Levitt and Pierce is there in, down, in Cambridge on Harvard Square. So after the Navy, you, come, you, you end up serving as a chaplain. Uh, right. I went to Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati, where I was uh, ordained in 1974. And um, during my last few months, I actually worked in a pipe shop in Cincinnati, the Carousel Pipe Shop, which is still there. I'd always wanted to do that, and uh, I had some time. I'd gotten my dissertation in, and so I worked there a few hours a week. It was, it was more for fun, but I got to buy some pipes at a reasonable price. And then I um, moved on back to the Navy where I kept on smoking my pipes, you know, and uh, that's uh, my pipes have always been a hallmark of my life. People think of me with a pipe dangling out of my mouth. Right now, I'm sitting here in my cave in my house, and I'm staring at a rack. Uh, it's a 36-pipe rack, and it's, it, of course, is filled all the way to the top. And I've got uh, pipes on the desk all around it because there just isn't enough room. I'm going to have to buy some more racks. I have about 80 pipes now, and uh, there's uh, always room for one more. 
Do you remember your first really expensive, really good pipe you bought? My first really expensive, really good pipe was bought for me by my girlfriend in, uh, let's see, it was in 1961. She bought me a pipe at Fred Diebel's shop on the pla- in the Country Club Plaza in Kansas City. And it was, I think it was called a Tuscan Deluxe or City Deluxe. It was a GBD, uh, one of their second lines, and it cost $10. In those days, a GBD was $15, and that was way out of my reach. I was a college kid. I was starving. I was trying to survive. So she got me this pipe for $10. It was a, a billiard and it had an ivory insert in the bit, two holes and this ivory insert to prevent you from biting it through, I suppose. And um, that was my first really good pipe. And then when did you buy yourself a really good pipe? Oh, I bought myself some really good pipes when I was in Vietnam. I had them shipped out. Fred sent them to me. And uh, I figured where I was, I, said, I didn't know if I was going to see tomorrow. And uh, I, I was wounded once, although it was a minor flesh wound. Uh, but I, I really wanted to enjoy life. And that's when I decided that pipes are a good way to do it. So I bought me some nice pipes. I got me a Royal Lane uh, Virgin Briar while I was there and uh, a... Uh, a couple of other pipes uh, of varying sorts. And then through the years, I've bought good pipes, and there are many, many good pipe merchants nowadays. And then a few weeks ago, I picked up the NASPC Pipe of the Year, which is made by Scott Thiel. It's a uh, nice-sized bulldog with a cant to it. And Scott was just so sweet, he made the pipe slightly smaller for me because the monster-sized pipe that he was making was just too big for me. And I let him know that. So he said, okay, I'll make one that's your size. And he did. Let's go, let's go back to your days in the, in the Navy for a second. Was there pipe tobacco available through the, the PX? There was, but it was drugstore type uh, pipe tobacco at the Navy Exchange. Uh, certainly nothing very good. Uh, so I always ordered my pipes, uh, you know, so the, uh, from Fred Diebel and from uh, other first-rate tobacconists when I could get uh, hold of that because I wanted a better, pi- a better pipe tobacco, and I wanted better pipes than I could get at the drugstore. So they called me a pipe snob. We'll be back in just a minute. When we come back, we'll talk about the visit to Rome and the uh, reason to have a rabbi on for this time of year. need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We are back. Rabbi Silver is still on the phone with us. 
Rabbi, so over Christmas we had uh, Father Dave on. As everybody knows, I'm Jewish. I thought that it would be perfect as the Passover season is coming up just around the corner to have a rabbi on as part of our uh, pipe-smoking clergy. Uh, rabbi, could you give everybody just a, a quick idea of what the Passover celebration is? Oh, boy. Here we go. Passover on one foot. Okay. Passover is the holiday that celebrates the exodus from Egypt. When Moses led the Hebrew slaves out of slavery in Egypt, through the Sinai, and uh, eventually to the borders of the Promised Land. It took him 40 years to get there, because as my wife says, a man never stops and asks for directions. <laughs> but uh, there are, of course, many wonderful things about Passover. It's, it starts off with a Seder on the first night. The word Seder is Hebrew. It means order, because the story of the Exodus is told in a certain order, and the various foods on the table are symbolic of that order. We eat this food because... At that time, the slaves did this. We eat this food, like the matzah, the unleavened bread, is a reminder of the bread of slavery. And the uh, bitter herbs that we eat are a reminder of the bitterness of slavery. I remember when I was a little kid, my father had me bite into the bitter herb, and we used horseradish for that. He said, bite into this. And I bit into it, and flames shot out of my nostrils, and tears came to my eyes. And my father, my father, who was a refugee from European oppression, in fact, both my parents were, my father said, being a slave is feeling like that all the time. My grandmother made her made horseradish that would require a hazmat suit to carry. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> some of these grandmothers had their recipes, and wow, those were killers. Now, the, the the Passover Seder, it also ties in closely to some of the Easter celebrations. That's right. In fact, and, and this is something I lecture about frequently when I'm talking about Passover or about Christmas and Hanukkah, if you have two religions doing the same thing at the same time, there's a good chance that they're doing it for the same reason. Oh, yes, we have an overlay of our stories about why we're doing this, but here's something I'll give you now. It's called Silver's Rule. Silver's Rule says that when you're looking at a religious practice, you don't listen to the explanation. You watch the practice. And from that you learn. For example, I, I mentioned Christmas and Hanukkah. Uh, Hanukkah is celebrated with lighting of lights. How is Christmas celebrated? With the lighting of lights. You see? So you have two religions that are doing the same thing. Now, when is Christmas celebrated? On the 25th day of the winter month. When does Hanukkah occur? On the 25th day of the Hebrew winter month. So you see two holidays on the same day doing the same thing, and it's got to be for the same reason. Now look at uh, Easter and Passover. As a matter of fact, in the you see a lot of this in the Catholic Mass, uh, and you have to dig a little deeper and drill a little further down in some of the other Christian religions, but they very uh, often refer to this as the Lord's Passover. So what was the emblem of Passover for the ancient Hebrews? Well, it was the Paschal Lamb. 
And for Christians, they refer to Jesus as being the Lamb of God. So once again, you have the same symbolism. You have, of course, the Easter egg, but then eggs are uh, served at the Passover Seder as well. They're also both celebrations of a bountiful harvest that has uh, come up in the springtime. Well, that's right. The, the, the spring is the season of new birth and planting and so forth. So that's when you begin to get your crops in the ground, and you're hoping for that bountiful harvest, that God will be good to you, and that uh, you will have the rain in its season, and that uh, you'll be able to survive another year. I mean, these people lived a lot closer to the edge than we ever dream about. When we first talked, you mentioned to me that you'd been to the Vatican and done some research in the archives, and you also sent me, and we've posted on the on this episode of a show, the picture of you meeting Pope Benedict. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about meeting about meeting the Pope and then doing research in the archives? I'd love to, Brian. I'm with a group called the Pave the Way Foundation, which is founded by a man named Gary Krupp, or I should say Sir Gary Krupp. Uh, he's been knighted by Queen Elizabeth and by two different uh, popes. And uh, this man has committed his uh, life to working for peace and understanding among people of different faiths. And somehow I ended up with this group. That's, a bit, that's another story in itself. But um, I was called uh, by him to go to Rome. And first time, I've had three uh, private papal audiences. The first time was with His Holiness Pope John Paul II, uh, where I was with a group of rabbis. And our purpose in going over there was to thank him for everything that he had done for the Jewish people. You realize that no pope until that time had really uh, made the sort of statements about the Jewish faith and its connection to Christianity. I mean, he called us the older brothers of Christianity. We were no longer a despised people. We were family. And that felt good, but we realized that nobody had ever thanked him for doing this. So our group went over there to thank him. It was in his waning days, and... We thanked him for everything that he had done, and Brian, there were tears in this man's eyes as he listened to what we had to tell him, and he was truly a magnificent figure. Well, I continued working with the group, and then uh, Sir Gary called me and asked me to come to Rome again because we were going to get into the Vatican archives and do some research, and I said, what are we doing research on? And he says, on the wartime record of Pope Pius XII, the Catholic Church was trying to, was involved in the process that would lead to the canonization of Pope Pius XII. Jews had a lot of opposition to that. As a matter of fact, I did too, I admit. Because we felt that he was, at best, a silent witness to what went on in Europe during the war, the Holocaust that killed six million Jews, and at worst, perhaps even an active collaborator with the Nazis. And I said, Gary, I'm not interested. And he said, oh, come on, you're a scholar. You, have an, you claim to have an open mind. You've got to do this. So I did it. We spent a week there, and we went through thousands of documents and eyewitness interviews. And we realized that Pope Pius XII, who was a real hero, who saved thousands of Jewish lives,
lives working under the noses of the Nazis. And uh, what he did was truly heroic. It was staggering. And so we presented our findings to uh, then uh, was uh, His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI, and he thanked us for that. And then he, we ended up a couple of years after that with another trip to Rome, and that's the picture that you see there where Pope Benedict is thanking me for uh, the research and the work that I had done because they're looking for, you know, uh, information. When the Catholic Church seeks to canonize someone, basically that elicits for me an industrial-sized yawn. I'm not a Catholic. I think it's very nice. But, you know, uh, in this particular case, because Pope Pius had, in fact, saved Jews and uh, risked his life and much else besides, uh, I felt that he deserved our efforts. And so I, I really put myself out for this all the way. And that's why Pope Benedict was thanking me. I was very pleased at that, but also deeply humbled that I could make a contribution. Any plans to go back when we have a new pope? Well, I'm sure we will. We don't know yet what the new administration will look like, but uh, our group has been very active, uh, both uh, behind the scenes and in a public way there. You realize that our group has had 19 individual meetings with uh, Pope Benedict. So uh, while there are people who see him every day, to have 19 uh, meetings, I don't think anybody can match that. And that to me is the amazing, beautiful part of our hobby is here I am talking to somebody who's been to see the Pope three different times. Well, it's a small world, Brian, you see. And uh, I don't think that uh, the Pope smoked a pipe. Uh, he, uh, but uh, I, uh, while I was in Rome, I did get some pipes, pipes from a very, very fine artisan. Paolo Becker has his atelier in Rome, and I went there, and I saw how he makes his pipes, and he was very gracious to my wife and myself, and I bought two pipes from him. And I'm looking at them right now. They are beauties. And he is such a very sweet man. I think that all this goes on, and he's just a couple of blocks from the Trevi Fountain. Any other, uh, any other favorite pipe, pipe makers that are out there now? Well, let's see. I told you about the pipe I got from Scott Thiel, yeah. I believe, and that's a, a honey of a pipe. I'm just starting to break that one in. I've got a, uh, few, I've got a few Boswells here that are very nice. Um, I've got a Sebastian Bale that's uh, a lovely smoking pipe. I like that Sebastian makes smaller pipes. Uh, that's, uh, that suits me well. I'm looking now, I'm holding in my hand a Danish freehand that my wife got me for my um, 40th birthday. It's a W.O. Larsen, straight grain, and it is a honey to smoke. And I think back on, you know, my wife giving it to me. I've got a few Sheratons that I love, and you have to eat your heart out on this one, Brian, but I've got some connoisseurs including, I think I've got three that have not yet been broken in. And they're just dying to be broken in. Oh, they are dying, but I just meter it out. I just have to hold back, you know, but I, I stare at them and I admire them. And 
They are beauties. They're signed by Ed Burek. Of course, you know, Ed didn't make the pipes himself. He sketched out the designs and then sent them over to a craftsman who uh, carved the pipes. Should you need help breaking them in, please feel free to send them to me. I'll, I'll be more than happy to suffer through that for you. <laughs> there, there's a volunteer if I ever heard one. And it usually only takes me about a year. <laughs> uh, I, I love my connoisseurs, they re- and I'm so sorry that Ed went out of business. And, you know, you don't have to go uh, big ticket to get a really good pipe. I've got some Stanwells that are modestly priced that are excellent smokers. And I've got uh, three corn cobs that smoke about as good and pleasant as any pipe you'd ever want to see. With that, we'll wrap it up with the fast five final questions. No wrong or right answers. Are you ready? Yes, sir. What's your favorite pipe? The favorite pipe is the one I am smoking right now. I go through a period of several minutes of thinking about which tobacco and which pipe I want to smoke now. Sometimes I'll pick a tobacco first and I'll match the pipe to it. Sometimes I pick the pipe and I match the tobacco to it. But that is the pipe that I and the smoke that I want right now. That's how you enjoy every bowl full of tobacco. And that'll tie nicely into what's your favorite pipe tobacco? Ah, well, it's obviously the one I'm smoking. You know, my wife always asks the question, why are you buying a tobacco? Don't you have tobacco at home? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I want more. That's right. You always need more tobacco. And I've got a couple of uh, Dunhills, by the way, from the 70s, a tan shell and a shell briar. I think I paid under, I know I paid under $50 for them back then. And what's your favorite drink? Lagavulin. And your favorite place to smoke your pipe i have my wife fixed up a den for me downstairs i have my own cave it has an air purifier in it and i have all my smoking gear down here i can sit down i can read i can watch tv i can play my horn i play a euphonium i can do anything i like and this this is my my territory and i can keep it as messy as i like and your favorite thing to do while you're smoking a pipe I love to read a book while I'm smoking a pipe, because smoking a pipe is a relaxing, contemplative sort of thing, and so is reading a book. Books are good friends, so are pipes. And with that, Rabbi, I'll say shalom, and thank you for joining us. And shalom to you, Brian. It has been a pleasure to be with you. And we'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back here into the studio. Hey, just wanted to say I know there were some audio problems with that, but uh, Rabbi Eric and I caught up with each other a couple weeks ago. The only time we could do it was in the middle of the day, and it gets a little noisy around here, so sorry about that. But Rabbi Eric, again, one of those wonderful people where here I am working all day, and I get a message, and I call him, and we start talking, and next thing you know, I'm talking to somebody who's gone to the Vatican, survived a tour of Vietnam, 
just a wonderful guy. I could listen to him for hours. There was uh, several other questions and some other things that were cut out of that just to get it down to time. But, Rabbi, I'm looking forward to seeing you in uh, Chicago. Let's get right into some music. Uh, Going to trim this down a little bit for time's sake, but Joe Jackson, the Joe Jackson Trio, did this song. It's called Cancer. Listen to the lyrics. Let's uh, bring this music down in the background here. There we go. And we'll get right into the mailbag while the rest of the song plays out. Hey, I want to say thank you to uh, John and Don for your uh, pipe collector contributions. I'm going to work that in a little bit, see if I can't uh, see if I can't mix something up with that. Cashmere, I want to say thank you. Yes, the radio is my muse as well. Radio and music is what gets me through. Hey, White Spot, welcome aboard. Podcast app RSS Radio. Must be another one that we're on and available to. And yes, this is episode number 27 of the Pipes Magazine radio show. So if you haven't heard all of them, you're missing out on some uh, really good me or uh, really good uh, guests that I've had in here. 
Um, want to say thank you to everybody who uh, sent nice comments about, uh, I guess, my bit of a tirade at the end of last week's show. Yeah, I was a little heated up, so. Anyway, got it out of my system. Hey, don't forget, next week, next week's show, we start our uh, little three-week promotion that's going to require you to listen to the show during the week and respond, and I'll give you all the details next week, but it'll be fun, it's a little personal to me, and uh, it'll be interactive, I guarantee you that, you won't want to miss out on it, we'll do one next week, one the week after, and one the week after, so three weeks in a row of this, and I'll give you all the details next week, I promise. If you want to know more about me, feel free to follow me on Facebook, Brian Levine. Just send me a friend request. You'll see everything that I'm doing. You'll see everywhere that I'm going and where I've been. If you would like to advertise on the program, please contact Kevin Godby at PipesMagazine.com. We've got advertisement opportunities for every level of company or a pipe club even. So contact Kevin if you have any questions Keep those comments coming on the forums. I love them. Love reading them. Remember, if you get a chance, please leave us a uh, feedback on iTunes. That does help the show get found. Don't forget, support your moderators on uh, the PipesMagazine.com forums. Three great guys. All right. We will be back with uh, rant time in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Cowboy. Cowboy. This would be the perfect rant to have a webcam on Kevin Godby's face when I talk about Denny's, the American Diner. Yes, Denny's, the American Diner. And this is not exactly appropriate to rant about after just having a rabbi on. But earlier today for lunch, I went to Denny's. And Denny's has a brand new thing called Baconalia. They are putting bacon on everything. Bacon mac and cheese bites, bacon pepper jack tilapia. They're putting bacon on everything. And where they push the limits for me, are you ready for this? Is everybody ready? Hold on. Hold on, Kevin. You got the sensor button on? New maple bacon milkshakes, a maple bacon sundae, and a new salted caramel brownie sundae with bacon. 
Have we gone crazy? Have we really? When I was in there, I asked the poor lady that was working there. I said, do you have any, like, uh, breakfast melons? You know, like cantaloupe or uh, honeydew or watermelon wrapped in bacon? Apparently, they're putting bacon on everything. So, Denny's doesn't figure, guesses that there's a no shortage of bacon. Maybe they caused it. But, it's Baconalia at Denny's. This has gone way over the edge. Way over the edge for me. There is no way bacon is a dessert topping on a Sunday. None whatsoever. We've gone over the edge. We've cracked up. It's all Baconalia at Denny's. So... There it is. That's the rant for this episode. Hey, don't forget, every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, a brand new episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show hits the airwaves on PipesMagazine.com. Then it's available on uh, all those podcast things afterwards. Please make sure to leave feedback for us, leave ratings and reviews. I will be in Raleigh on the 13th for the Pipe Show there, so if you get a chance, come on by. I'll definitely be in Chicago for the Big Pipe Show there. Looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Get yourself to a pipe show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to SmokingPipes.com. And one last piece of bacon. I mean, one last thing to say. Until next time. The clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy Get home, hop in the reclining chair with my pipe, turn on American Idol, and open up that $4 bottle of Chianti.